If you're enjoying getting better acquainted with me and with my guests, maybe you'd like to help other people find out about the show. There's a few easy ways to do that. You can go on iTunes if you've got five minutes and leave a review saying what you think of it. That helps it get higher rankings on iTunes and stuff like that. What the show really needs is word of mouth. And in this internet age, that means liking the show's page on Facebook or retweeting it or sharing the link to all of your Facebook friends or Twitter followers, doing whatever you need to do in whatever social networking site you use. And if you don't use a social networking site, well, hey, you can just tell your friends or email your friends and tell them about what's going on. I could spend three hours looking at that leaf and I will never get all the colours, all the inflection of that leaf in a drawing. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better. Better. Better acquainted with you. It's always weird when you do a couple in a row with people. Today we are getting better acquainted with my mother. Hello, Mum. Hello. So, in our first conversation, we established that the first time you met me was when I was born, or in fact before I was born, in utero. And the second question that I ask is, what do you do now? And in the case of this conversation, what you do now in your retirement is art. I kind of like said to myself that when I retire, I will paint. And it struck me that this was a a little bit airy-fairy. You know, lots of people make these kind of statements. And I thought, well, actually, maybe I shouldn't wait until I retire. So what happened is, about 10, 12 years ago, when I was in Cardiff, I started going to life-drawing classes, which I hadn't done since I was in the sixth form when I was doing my A-level art. So this was a new thing to me. And when I finished off, well... I never really finished because I always kept on sketching to a certain extent. But I would have been doing, rather than life drawing, I would have been doing landscapes and and pictures of where I was on the seaside and and things like that, rather than actually doing the human form, although that would sometimes come into sketching coincidentally. So this was a new move, really. And I was very fortunate in the art teacher who used to say, well, I don't teach. And actually, this is quite a good method of teaching me. I find people who tell me what to do in the way of art very difficult to get on with. But a bit of advice and a bit of nudging and a bit of uh, why don't you go in that direction is much more my kind of world. So I started, I suppose, under direction to a certain extent, using charcoal and, and doing charcoal sketches... Obviously, she would give advice about the size of paper and things like that. And as the classes went on, she kept saying, go bigger, go bigger. And obviously, with going bigger, you also actually have to make more of a statement and become bolder. So there's all sorts of things in going bigger that actually are very good for your confidence. I've never felt that drawing people is any different, really, from drawing landscapes. Because in a way, if you think of the 
human form it actually does sort of go in almost sort of lumps and bumps like hills and and, and, and mountains and there seems to be a connection to me between all living things and I suppose certainly when I was going through the foundation art course yeah. um, after I re- retired this was a journey that I kind of like started and I think I will be continuing to go back to that looking at um, all sorts of natural forms, looking at the connection between water in all forms. When you're talking about the sky, you're talking about the clouds, when you're talking about the rain, you're talking about water in plants, you're talking about water in human beings. And actually, all these connections to do with water um, make us the shape and sizes that we are because if it weren't to do with water forms and what happens when liquids move uh, a lot of our internal organs wouldn't be the shape that they are mm, definitely. Uh, and plants wouldn't be the shape that they are and nor would the whole of the world that we know it. indeed yeah. so it's all interconnected and I suppose I've started looking at this interconnection and it's also worked in with my love of gardening and love of nature and I suppose now my striving to to be more ecological in my approach and in my life and in in the way I work Uh, so moving towards all those kind of strains to actually sort of help the planet last longer although as an individual, I suppose it's a dot in the in the ocean, but it's got to start somewhere because people have got to start thinking of these things. Yeah. So I suppose all these strains are are, are moving through uh, what I've been studying and and where I'm going. But it started with my life drawing, and it started, I suppose, the day that 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 teacher then sort of suddenly said to me, um, "Why don't you change to use?" twigging and wash and I thought she was kind of joking I didn't think she meant a real twig and I kind of queried it and she said no I mean a real twig and at that stage we had a beautiful apple tree in the next door garden and <laughs> apples are very good sort of wood to make twigs from so I got a few twigs and sadly I've lost them over the years and I, I I kind of like fell in love with that particular twig. It was my twig and it kind of like became part of my persona. I've moved on to other twigs now and they're not quite so. <laughs> <laughs> but I planted an apple tree. So you hope that one so day, one day I might get yeah, some more apple it. twigs off it. That's right. Well, we're, we're out in my mum's back garden in <laughs> Bristol, which is why there's, there's birdsong. And... Uh, the, the child in, in the background that was having a tantrum earlier on when Mum was speaking is, uh, is nothing to do with us. It's in a different house along the street. Uh, but we do have a child that m- may cause problems later on in this, uh, in this conversation, in which case she will be edited out um, where possible. There's so much in what you just said. It was, it's, it's really hard to, to know where to, where, to, where, to, uh, where to go. I find it's interesting with these conversations. I've started to think of them as, as roads. And, you know, you come to forks in the road and you have to decide which way you go and that can affect the entire journey. One thing I was going to 
mentioned at one point was I think it's interesting what you say about the human form and landscapes being similar and when I was at uni in my second year when I just started going out with Jen I had this whole thing about how the human body looked like a landscape and I tried to take these photographs of the human body of a a human body a female human body that would would resemble landscape yeah. that was one of my attempts at art visual art is something that I mostly have avoid I, I, I do so many different disciplines in terms of art but but visual art the kind of art that you do and that Tony uh, does my brother is one that I've generally st- stayed away from out of a lack of skill for it for you it's the art isn't it The art that you're interested in. It, I, I, I'm not so convinced. As I, I, I kind of get older in a funny kind of way because I, I was watching a television program with Goldie, which the was drum lo- and bass artist. Yeah, 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 which was looking at his painting as well as he was composing a piece for the prompt, and it so it, it gave. A, background into his painting and his arts and his upbringing in a children's home and he mentions in in there somewhere that he saw a connection between his music and his art yeah and he was saying that when one was going well the other would go well as well Mm -hmm. and that kind of idea has been growing with me because interestingly enough as I've now retired I started playing my flute. Music, yes, that's right, of course. And actually beginning to do a bit of singing and actually move in, 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 into a world that I thought I'd probably lost because I hadn't played my flute for 30 years and my flute was actually no good and I thought it was my playing. Um, but I bought a new flute and I, I, I joined this really interesting group for people who haven't played in a long time. Ideal group play. And it took me, I suppose, about two years to learn to blow the instrument again. And that came as a big shock, because, you know, you think that skills that you've had, you won't actually lose. Mm. Not to that extent, anyway. But 30 years is a long time not yep. to play an instrument. It's and obviously, as as yeah. you need the muscles around your mouth, you need, you need the lung capacity. So all these things need to be building up, but also learning to listen again, because I am losing my hearing. And I started wearing hearing aids, mm-hmm. because although the majority of the time, it, it's not to the person who's, who's being gradually deafened, advantage to wear a hearing aid but it is is an advantage for everyone around them because your com- communication hopefully improves and you have less conversations offered to tangent trouble is hearing is not as as precise as wearing glasses glasses actually correct your vision usually mostly but hearing aids don't they make it better in certain circumstances, but you're always actually having to admit, excuse me, I didn't hear that. Mm, they change what you hear, but they don't change. They don't allow you to hear everything as a hearing person would. Yeah. Exactly. I, I've learned to blow my throat. I think I've got. I think I get a very good tone now. I'm learning to put my tone into tune, and I'm learning to tune my singing better. 
and like, like my sister, I haven't got perfect pitch. <laughs> so no. I, I do have trouble with actually sort of, you know, some of the accidentals that come in pieces and things like that. And I now can hear it much more precisely with my hearing aids, as I can hear all sorts of things I don't want to hear as well. But I, I kind of feel that when I'm blowing my flute well... I get more creative generally. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, and the two things kind of seem to feed off each other. So at the moment, I'm practicing my flute quite a lot uh, because I've been given quite a bit of a challenge, uh, which is sort of using my tongue <laughs> continuously. And that's a skill I've lost. Right. So I'm kind of like going around tutting all the time. Must seem extraordinary to everyone else, but I'm actually learning this skill all over again. Yeah, and it's a physical skill, so you actually just have to just do it again and again and again. I think I'm, I, I, I amuse the other people in my group because it, it, it's, it's basically sort of singing in in triplets. So you go, and after a bit, you get tired. <laughs> And you think, oh, I can't won't do this. Yeah. So, I, so I've been kind of like doing scales, tutting, and arpeggios, tutting. No, I mean, it's... And everything. Playing an instrument is a physical thing. Yeah. I mean, it's hell playing a song on stage, and you suddenly go, my arm is hurting, <laughs> and I, I don't want it to be... I, I want to be focusing on singing. Yes. I want to be focusing on singing this, this uh, song and feeling it and, and, and doing my stagecraft, but really I'm just hoping that my arm will, will <laughs> keep Carry playing on. in rhythm yeah. in pain. Yes. And that's, you know, that's because I don't practice as much as I should. If I practiced more, I wouldn't get myself into those stupid situations. It's also, when you actually go to the workshop, so I was thinking, you know, do I practice during the day? Because if I do an hour's practice during the day, then an, after about an hour and a half playing in the evening, mm. uh, which is what we do, we do an hour and a half, um, the muscles have gone. Yeah. You know, so you, you, you try to, to sort of say, well, I'll do a little bit so that I'm kind of in there, but not too much. That actually, Because by, by 10 o'clock, your brain starts going anyway because we, we practice between half past eight and 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. And so you, you, you've got these sort of two things, whether your brain will hold out, but also whether you physically have done too much in the day so that you can't do it at night. And, but I'm sure you're very aware of all these kind of things. I don't know. It's a funny thing. I, I don't know. I find when I've had late at night practising, somehow a lot of the time that goes into my head better than sort of practicing in the day in a way because I, I don't know what it is I think it's but it's different practicing with a band and doing things over and over again I think perhaps than a, in a small group where you're listening to each instrument whereas in a band you're I don't know you're making a collective instrument it's well maybe that's what you're doing I don't know actually I don't know I, well, I think you are it. but you're not actually making your music which I suppose is what you're doing in the band yeah, I guess so. You I can, mean, you're you actually using written music. So so it's all these things. In a band, if you're finding something difficult to play, you can adapt it yes. to be something that sounds good but is easier to play. You can't do that when you're following well, a... Well, you do have to. <laughs> OK, well, you do in your group. And, well, in my group, yeah, yeah. You, you do have to. And it, it's finding the way to do that. Yeah. And at the moment, we've got quite... Um, 
quite a newly returned clarinet who hasn't played since at school, but she's not that old, so it's about ten years old she's been. And somebody who's learning the oboe, which is a really difficult uh, instrument for the first time. You know, my mind boggles when I think of that, being retired and learning an instrument for the first time, particularly the oboe, where it's so difficult to actually get a note out of the thing, let alone, you know, get the other things. Mm. Um, but, I mean, she is getting very good, but, you know, when it gets past and whatever, she needs to make those kind of ad- adaptations. And it does, it's because she's not been doing this all her life, the adaptations are not second nature to her. Because she, she's got to control the instrument, which is what you were talking about. But also she's got to control her breath. But she, then she's got some really difficult music. Mm. And then she's actually got to adapt it to something that she can play. Wow. So kind of like, that's a head process in the heart. Yeah, there's a lot to do. <laughs> so so it's, it's interesting being in these groups because you know these people have got all those kind of problems around you. Yeah. And then we've got a brilliant cellist who could be, you know, probably is in loads of um, orchestras and, and could have gone to the Royal School of Music but didn't for, for some unknown reason. So why is he in your group? Ah, because we don't only have returners, we have people who help the returners. Ah, okay. And they're very good, very good. Yeah. So well, That makes sense, I guess. Otherwise it would be the blind leading the blind. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so m- music and visual art, and uh, that's... A, a fair enough, a fair enough point. I, I was, I was neglecting to consider the the music side of things. Yeah, you do music, you do visual art. Your art, art things that you do, you get there through sensory experience, I guess, through sight and through sound. I think one of the, my, my main way. I, th- I think I have other ways, but my main way into art is through language. Mm. and uh, that's in terms of its sound as well it's musicality that's how I get into music and mm. um, and the, the written word that's how I get into writing and the drama that is comes through conversation is why I go into uh, theatre and it's why I'm interested in doing these kind of conversations I guess but for you it's it's not it's not a verbal thing it's no. a it's a w- w- emotional emotional thing yeah yeah I I think, I mean, a friend of mine who 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 did the foundation course with me, she was saying, she said, your art just oozes emotion. And she said, I think that's where I come from. A lot of people don't come from that direction. And they don't. I mean, you, you can be a cerebral artist. You can, definitely. And lots of people are. Lots of people combine words. I mean, even Tracy... Emin. Emin. I can never say her. <laughs> Used words, being dyslexic. I mean, and it was important to her that the words she used were actually the words, the way she spelt it, rather than actually finding out the proper way to spell things. Because for her, words were her words. Uh, and I've got a lot of understanding of that. I don't like using... So I, I, I like seeing some use of words in art but I don't like it when it gets cerebral to the point that you have to go through a very large journey of explanation before you can begin to understand what you're looking at Mm. I mean to me it art has to have a visual component that is meaningful 
and 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 that will go into installation art it will go into performance art as well i mean i know people would differ greatly in that but for me to enjoy the experience there has to be something visually that i can pick up and run with and it's the same going around an art gallery there'll be something that visually will speak to me and it's very difficult to explain why but it has to have have some kind of excitement or some kind of a visual impact that makes me want to stay and look at it and look at it again and again and again and again a lot of things will leave me cold and I, I just yeah I'll look at them but you just move on I've always been interested in the in the interplay I guess between words and visuals mm. uh, it's one of the reasons I'm interested in it's one of the reasons I'm interested in comic books mm. and I guess that's why I'm interested in music because it's words and sounds yeah. I mean I think I'm a as an artist I think I am an emotion I think I or at least I think I get I am an emotional artist and I think I probably get that from you mm. I'm also a cerebral artist and I think I probably get that from dad yeah. which is not to, to say anything no it's just different it's just the difference as I've become older I've appreciated more and more what gifts I've got from you through genetics or social or whatever it is, which have informed what I do as much as the gifts that that I've got from Dad. And initially it was very much like he was a writer, I was a writer, so mm. I thought what I was writing came from him. But now I, I realise that, that I, the reason that I write differently from Dad is you, comes from you. Mm. When do you first remember being interested in visuals in art? When was that moment for you in your life? Or was there a moment that you can recall? I haven't got very good recall of when I was a child, except that I was kind of lonely. And left, seemed to be, even though I had a sister very close in age, I seemed to be on my own a lot of the time. And playing imaginatively. And I suppose... uh, that was the most important world to me, was imaginative play area. And I don't think we did lots of drawing at junior school. No, at different times, I guess. Yeah, and, and then kind of like when I was eight, so I went to the high school. We probably have started doing more drawing in terms of diagrams and, and maps and that kind of thing. And obviously I would have started probably drawing classes when I went to into the secondary school part of my school and then yeah I I remember enjoying that but it was more to do I I don't know how I got my first set of oil paints and my first canvas but I know I started quite young and it would have been at home and it wouldn't have been to do with formal teaching at all I painted my first oil painting which sadly I haven't got I don't know what happened to it but obviously it went by the wayside but it it was a very rough picture of a waterfall and I was staying with my aunt in the Isle of Man uh, and and I did this waterfall and from then onwards I suppose I would have done gone out with my oils and and, and done landscapes wherever wherever I could really we had a competition when I was in the sixth form the best landscape in the school and I went out and did a, a picture just outside Claverton Manor. Bath, yeah. Yeah, in Bath, yes. Of one of the outhouses, I suppose it was. Across the fields with some beautiful trees. And I did this landscape. 
and won the landscape painting competition. Uh, I suppose at that kind of stage, I, I went to get my work framed at the local framing place in Bath, and uh, they said to me I could make a living of doing landscapes of Bath. But of course, I just sort of thought, no, I could spend my whole life just doing landscapes. So I, th that was the first opportunity I turned down, I suppose, of a, of a career in, um, in art. In art, when I thought I'd have to conform. Well, you'd always have to be painting landscapes of Bath. Yes, and that I would become the landscape painter of Bath. Of Bath. That would be quite a, <laughs> an odd career path. I don't even know if you could make a living from Well, that. anyway, I went on to do my nursing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you sort of, you, you put down art then? Well, no, I suppose, I mean, I carried on. I mean, I remember doing sketches and painting. The first nursing home that was in Earl's Court, and I had an upstairs bedroom with a little balcony overlooking one of these courtyard gardens of London. And I used to go out there and do my paintings and sketching and, and things. So, yeah, sort of fairly much into my nursing, I would still do the odd painting. I mean, like I did a strange painting of a hermaphrodite person that always, always termed Herm. And that was my first sortie into using acrylic paints rather than oil. Yeah, I still sketched. But gradually over the years, it, it got down to just sketching and and sketching only when I was on holiday. So. Well, yeah, and then and when I guess when you had kids, then that takes up another facet of your life and then you've got work, you've got kids, you've got... But I suppose, I mean, there was all the artwork that I did with you as children. I guess so, yeah. So, in a way, it didn't go away. I mean, Tony was... I mean, Tony was interesting because he... I mean, I saw a much clearer pattern with him than I did with myself because he actually started as a very good cartoonist. His Beezer cartoons were absolutely superb. And that was from a very young age. He would produce these wonderful cartoon characters... And then the he bee, would it have been the Beano? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Beano. Well, there was a Beezer. There was a Beezer as well, but I think he it was a Beano. It probably was the Beano. Yeah, yeah, I think he was a Beano. Anyway. Because I inherited all of his comic books, so... Oh, well, you would know. He then went to Cubs, and he did his first... I don't think he ever got into the Scouts. So he must have been still a Cub, and I don't know what age that would be unto. But it would probably be about nine he did his first oil painting, which I still got. I haven't got my own first oil painting. I'm going to keep Tony. <laughs> well, yeah, well well done. I did an oil painting once, didn't I, at school. Oh. That's the best piece of art I did, I think. We've got. Have, we, have you got that still, or have I got that? I think I... You've got that. I you think, think. I don't know where it I is. I think it's in Tony's garage. Ah, uh, OK. Waiting for you to pick it up. I don't think it is, because I've picked up everything from Tony's house that I know there? of. Well, then you must have well, said I'm, you didn't want it. I did not say that. So I must have it. Anyway, I, I can work that out. I hope I've got it, or it's, it's around, because it's one of the few things I'm proud of, art-wise. But, I mean, that was an interesting thing for me, because that in I was illustrating poems... But I think that picture was a much better expression of what I had inside me at that moment in my life mm. than the actual poem, which was a bit pretentious and stupid and didn't doesn't hold up well to adult eyes. Whereas the picture, because it isn't coated in language, is much more accessible to an adult. 
And I think that is often the case with work that children do. When, when you're using language, it takes a lot longer to kind of mature. Yeah. Whereas I think when you're using paintings or music as well, sometimes the initial stuff can be really exciting and fresh and open. I certainly find this in the kids I see at children's centres who are under five or in my niece's stuff. That, that there's a real connection straight with something that you can't kind of necessarily get as well as an adult. So when you retired, Hmm. you did an art foundation course. Yeah. What was that like? Very interesting because, as I say, I I always had a lot of difficulty with schooling. And although I think I've got an academic mind, I don't necessarily like the academic approach which sounds crazy (laughs) but I find it quite difficult when I'm talking about a visual subject to put it into words and some things I don't like putting into words I prefer not to use words so it's a combination of, uh, of needing to record what you're doing in words which is not necessarily the way that you would prefer but obviously you can use visual recording as well. It was a journey that I wouldn't have missed for the world in many, many ways. I don't think I've ever systematically studied the history of art like I did then, and, and, and that was a journey I really enjoyed. Some of the other students got really into their kind of art and really knew an awful lot about of artists who did the same kind of similar art and, and were very kind of thorough in their kind of investigation. I mean, it wasn't investigation, it was the way they, they did their art because their art actually stemmed off from other people. Whereas I suppose I've always tried to make my art completely and utterly different from anybody. I mean, I had periods when I enjoyed using the kind of brush techniques of Van Gogh and I was very interested in my study to actually do a comparison with that first landscape that I got the prize from and I actually compared it with a constable and the kind of composition element was exactly the same and I thought well I didn't study constable before I produced this so there's something about the way that, that composition takes place that you're actually copying from life. It, it's, it's possibly universal. Well, it's instinctual, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. I, guess it's, I mean, I think there are things that, that human beings are attracted to, isn't there? There's symmetry and there's all of these things. A lot of artists, musicians and writers as well, I mean, don't like to don't like to explain the unexplainable, don't like to pick apart their process... I, I quite like it myself, picking apart the process. But I'm quite aware of the fact that picking apart the process is just part of my process. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That, that actually, none of that means anything. It's the work that comes out of it that matters. And the work that comes out of it, well, if that says to a, an audience something, mm. then who cares what process I went through? Who cares if it's what I intended them to see. As an artist, I like to have a, an intellectual framework, I guess, for why I'm doing things and to be constant. I kind of, it's almost like therapy, I, th- I think, like art, art therapy, like go through why I've come to the conclusions I've come to and how I can improve on these, what things I think are right, what things I think are wrong, and, and always to be improving. I think that's something I learned at college, which I'll take with me 
because I've tried new processes and one of them is actually going from 2D to 3D to 2D and that is something that I'm taking with me and I'm actually using quite a lot in the work that I'm doing at the moment because it's to do with your, your, your way of constructing a form and I suppose an awful lot of my life has been tried to trying to simplify form down to the, the lowest kind of elements you know how few lines actually make a figure I suppose I, I haven't done that in the past so much with colour but I mean I would do it now you know how, how, how much colouring constitutes a colour that that is meaningful you know mm. in terms of form thickness and thinness of line and that kind of thing what are the essentials and it's always kind of like looking to 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 that really what's mm. essential and what isn't essential give the effect that i want to give yeah i mean i think it's some of it is to do with aging because i think most artists as they get older they're trying to find the essence and the essence very often can be a form of simplification. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I think a truth, I think, hmm, I think to to achieve an individual truth, a moment of truth, is to, the only way you can strike that chord with an audience is to, yeah, say something simply, to find the most concise and uh, accessible way of, of doing that. But there's also, I would imagine, I mean, as I've got older so far, I've still got a way to go, um, I found that kind of when I was younger, I I, I was very happy to just say a statement, a declarative statement. But as I get older, I'm aware that brackets come up, you know, and exceptions and so you know where I might have said truth is beauty or something as a teenager I'm loath to make a kind of statement as big as that you know that as I get older I I go in more more yeah yeah. but 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 say you take say truth Mm -hmm. as a concept yeah and it's what you were trying to actually put in into a visual context yeah you would ha- actually have to break it down to what actually am I talking? Well, and and it could be. I that's mean, that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it could take you a long time of, of of actually looking everything that you were doing. You would be looking at what is truth. Yeah. Uh, so you could be looking at the visual of a leaf. You could be sort of examining it under a microscope. You could be looking at it as it is. You could be magnifying it into the most ginormous leaf that ever happened. And that could all be part of a process of finding out what truth was for a leaf. But But then you might be saying, yeah, but I'm also looking at truth in, you know, the right and wrong and all that kind of thing. And so you do all sorts of looking into right and wrong. Yeah. Whatever that might mean. So research could go on for, say, another year. You could be looking at a leaf for a year. Yeah. You, you could then be looking at, you know, some kind of esoteric thing about, you know, what is truth. And basically, you could finish your life trying to define truth visually. Yeah. And you would never get to the end of your search. And I think, you see, for me as a painter, 
That's really important. Yeah. Because if I ever achieved anything, I'd stop painting. This is interesting. I had exactly the same... Exactly the same thing was said in an interview, a conversation I did yesterday with a musician Mm. about if he ever wrote the perfect song, there'd be no point in writing any more music. Mm. Now, you see, very great painters probably have achieved that. I mean, like the Picassos of this world. Van Gogh, maybe. Uh, but, But what they did was they changed direction well that's how I, I i i like to think that i am yeah but so in fact you may achieve something but then you actually change the goalpost totally like picasso changed his beautiful sort of realistic and became increasingly he went through his cubist period and then he went into his abstract period but each one the goalpost actually changed so he was actually looking for something completely different that's the thing about for example one of the things that I think all of my work is about through all, across all mediums is truth. It is the thing that I'm trying to explore, but it's the impossible to tie down nature of truth that means that there are, there are endless permutations of work that you can do about truth. And that, that the fact that my initial statement would have been something like beauty is truth, truth is beauty, that sort of thing, whereas now it would be something like well, uh, my truth is sometimes about beauty, but sometimes it's not beautiful, and actually there are lots of different truths, and who am I to say that my truth is more important? Now, that's not snappy. That's not snappy, so I have to find other ways to communicate all of this pandering. Exactly, exactly. I mean, this is the thing about any declarative statement. And so once I've explored one idea of truth, yeah. Then I have to move on and explore another one. Yeah. And, and then actually where the real truth lies, if there's any such thing as real truth, yeah. is somewhere in, in, in between all of them, between all of the different things that I do and other people do. Um, and it's somewhere in between the, the, the strands of art. Because, I mean, that's the thing, that truth can be personal, it can be political, it can be aesthetic, it can be blah, 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 it can be documentary. I mean, there are so many areas of, of, of what's true but all I know is that what works for me as a as a as an audience member is when something seems true seems is the important word because it isn't necessarily true but it, it feels yeah. true I, I think the thing is at, at the end of the day it's that journey that's the important thing and the, you know, that you actually follow the journey that you set yourself to move in. And that's sometimes the most difficult thing because inevitably during that journey you get extraordinary hiccups. Yeah. You actually can't pick up a paintbrush or you, you can't pick up a pencil or you, you, you actually sort of have so many sort of if, buts and fancies and you can actually just look at, at a piece of paper and just see a piece of paper and that's it. And then you probably have to start throwing paint pots at something and making yourself make a mark. Yeah. And, 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 and finding ways of actually getting through these kind of blocks. That, or, or the, but then the, the blocks become just as important a part of the journey as the journey itself, when it, the journey is kind of moving. Yeah. Because during those blocks, you learn a lot more about yourself and the reason for you actually making a mark. 
Yeah, definitely. Because if it's so difficult to make a mark, uh, it has to be very important for you to carry on. Yeah. I mean, I think the same can be said about making a piece of music, playing a chord or yeah. writing a yeah. piece of writing or whatever. I mean, yeah, when you're blocked and you get through it or you struggle with it for a long time, that makes it very clear to you how important it is to yeah. make those make those marks for you and maybe I mean you know and, and, and yeah I mean I, I think that's as far as you can go that this is important which your journey for the artist yeah and that again is what I learned from my well, getting back to the original question that again is something that I learned from this course because I learned that a lot of tutors want to impinge on your journey yeah and there was a, a very definite time in the foundation course when I had to say whoa, 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 whoa hold on, why am I doing this course? I'm doing it for me I'm not doing it for any tutor But then I'm not doing it for any institution yeah. or anybody else I am on my journey am I at this point of time being true to myself and my journey? Yeah. and once I'd done that I could actually do the research I could actually sort of, you know, because I, I suddenly I made myself have ownership of my scheme, ownership of, of, of why I was in the college, because I wasn't doing it for anyone else, I was doing it for me. Yeah. But as add-ons to that, I, I could do what they wanted me to do. Yeah. But only because I was doing it for me. Yeah. But when you get this pressure of do it this way, do it that way, and you suddenly I'm losing my vision, I'm losing my way, I'm being pulled left, right, and nope, not going to work. But all of a sudden, I mean, I'm not sure that I actually liked the work that I ended up with. I think, unfortunately, you finish and you display it, and then you actually sort of think, well, actually, I should have journeyed further. But kind of like there was that big stop, and then you sort of think, well, actually, no, I probably need to store that. And then maybe in five years' time, ten years' time, God knows when, that journey might start again. Uh, and I might explore it Yeah. in the kind of depth that I think I would have done if I'd have not been on a course. Well, that's the thing. I mean, there are times, certainly, where you do... You do lots and lots of work. You get your, your final piece that you've, you display it. And it isn't what you hoped. It isn't what you wanted it to be. No. It doesn't find an audience, or that, at least that's that's my concern. Often is is finding an audience and getting people to see it. I don't want them to like it. I just want them to respond to it. Yeah, yeah. I'm exactly the same. But I I also want them to respond in an appropriate way. I mean, I had had this big sort of entanglement with one tutor who decided to um, attack me quite viciously. A piece of work I was doing. And I, afterwards I felt quite wounded. And then I thought, why do I feel so wounded? And I thought, well, actually, I don't care that he didn't like my work. That, that, that's good. That's a reaction that I expect from people. You know, I like this work, I don't like this work. Um, or I'm totally disinterested. All those three aspects of looking at art, fine. You know, I would walk past your, your piece and not notice it. Yeah, I've done that thousands of times with lots of pieces piece of work and whatever. 
but he actually told me that if I wanted to get my message across, I had to use words. And I thought, no. I was actually trying to get a message using visual only. Mm. If I failed, fine. You can tell me I didn't get the message across to you, but you can't tell me that I have to use words to get my message. Well, there is always this very complicated um, interchange between teaching and art where we do need to learn skills to improve our craft we do need to understand different ways that things can be done and we do need to hear often we do need to hear criticism we do need to hear people telling us what's wrong with stuff but at the same time response to art is subjective there are no universally loved pieces or universally hated pieces everything is a on a spectrum and so it is hard to communicate all of that though in criticism i mean i guess but, but all we can ask for is, is to be judged lots on our and terms lots of and campaigns yeah. to save the bees yeah have used just the visual of bees but usually cartoon yeah. And I wasn't doing that. I was actually using blown-out visuals of dead bees. Yeah. Which... It's your graffiti project, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, which is interesting. Yeah. I think, because I haven't seen a lot of dead bees graffitied around Bristol, uh, and I think it would have an impact if I actually managed to do it, which I never had. I think the thing... Know. I mean, surely... I mean, <laughs> what he was... I guess, playing slightly devil's advocate, from what I understand, what he was saying is that your pictures of dead bees was not communicating to an audience the political message that you wanted to make about saving the bees, which was, which was, was, was where the project was supposed to be at, wasn't it? Sort of oh, I don't know. protest through graffiti or... or you know. I don't know. I anyway. don't know, really, but yeah. But rather than saying you need to use words to do that... He could have said, you want to do this visually, you are not succeeding in doing it visually, think of a new way of doing it visually and could have helped you to do that. Which is fine. I mean, I think that's, that's, in a way, that's the only thing we can hope for in our teaching in terms of art, is that they'll they'll say, what are you trying to achieve? How can I help you to achieve that? Which is all fine. Rather than saying, unless you have an apprenticeship scheme like, like... many many painters in the past would have had where they, where they went and learned with a painter because they wanted to learn from that painter and if you go and choose to learn from a painter you're choosing to be taught how that painter paints hmm. you can then go off and and make your own decisions afterwards but you didn't sign up to that course to learn from a a, a great painter that you wanted to, to sit at the feet at or anything you were getting different people from different disciplines teaching you about art and what you'd have liked is for them to have taken where you what you want to achieve seriously rather than criticizing you for things that you weren't trying to achieve yeah well i mean my response was to take take it very literally i was doing a a a digital project we were making stamps so i thought sticking with bees so i made a whole series of very beautiful pictures of bees with very facile words on them like be safe be happy and that kind of thing, it, which actually worked in, in I, I think it would have made a very, very good Save the Bee stamp collection. Uh, and, and I think the post office might 
well have sort of gone for it. I don't know, they haven't got much money. The no, post no, office. No, it would have to be a voluntary organisation. Paying it, OK. But, you know. Well, if, 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 you, if you're interested in saving the bees and you're hearing this conversation and you want to approach uh, my mum about uh, potentially buying her stamp designs off her then then certainly email me and I'll uh, I'll I'll put you in t- contact with her you taught me how to look at art i think like how to look at art in galleries i mean i i've been to a few art galleries before but we went for christmas we went to amsterdam one year mm. just the two of us which yeah. was a fantastic holiday we spent 10 days in amsterdam we went to the van gogh museum yeah. and you taught me to go really close into the painting so you were kind of nearly sort of touching it very close and then walk backwards away from the painting until you found the point in the room where the painting fitted just worked Mm. and it will be a different point walking back Mm. for each painting and that will be the place that you're supposed you for you that you're supposed to stand to enjoy that painting. And it also means that you can see the painting in lots of different ways. So you can see really close and see the bl- brush strokes and then you can see the distance and how all of the brush strokes blur into each other. And that was quite a kind of... That has improved my, the way I look at art in art galleries no end. I enjoy art galleries much more. I sort of do that basic test on on pictures to see if actually... It might be that I wouldn't. It wasn't growing on me because I wasn't standing in the right part of the room. Yeah. And similarly, when you walk through an art gallery and you see something in the distance, and it, you go, "Wow, that's amazing!" Yeah. And then you go close to it, and you're not so impressed, and you realise that actually, <laughs> when I came through the door and I was miles away from that picture, that was the right, that was the right size and place to see that, that painting for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really grateful for that help to, to to see paintings. I always try to pass it on to people as much as possible but it is this thing that we've lost the art of actually looking I was discussing this with a friend the other day and I was I was talking about the importance that we all think of looking yeah actually studying but a lot of people nowadays don't even look at things they glance at digital visuals but actually looking at them, they flash too fast across the screen. And almost you get into the, the idea that the world is full of flashing images. Instead of thinking, well, you, you know, I could spend three hours looking at that leaf and I will never get all the colours, all the inflection of that leaf in a drawing, even in three hours. Yeah. Or I, 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 I could look at that leaf over, say, a month, every day for ten minutes and see it in sunshine, in rain, in cloud, everything. And that will be another way of looking at it. In fact, there are so many ways of seeing um, that we've almost lost because we just don't take time just to look at things. So when people go to art galleries, it kind of like disappoints me. You know, they have their earphones on, they're listening to blah, 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 and I'm thinking, you're looking at something visual? 
and you're hearing a commentary about it, you're using a different medium to make yourself look. I suppose some people nowadays need that, but isn't that really weird? It's why not uh, hear it, then look at it, or look at it and read the plaque. But then, uh, I but, mean, you know, you're actually stopping yourself looking. I think that. that so that, why are you going to a gallery? I think that's a very fair point. That, Sorry. That, no, I think that is a very fair point that we need that that we have lost those kind of skills uh, sometimes now, and I do think that, like I say, that you've helped me to be able to see visual things better and more thoughtfully. But I mean, I guess there's different people connect to different kinds of art. Mm. So yeah. I like comic books. Hmm. which is two different things at the same time, you find that a little bit too much quite often in terms of yeah. you don't want to read the words and the picture. You want pictures or words, you can't really do them together so much. It, doesn't it can really, sometimes. Yeah, but it doesn't work so much for you. But, but it has to be... I don't know, I don't know what it you is. You don't know what it, it is, but... Yeah. A, a film is music, visuals, words, performances, hmm. and that's a great art form and a, and a great way of experiencing something and you know an opera is music and performance you know there have always been art forms that have combined these things together oh, I'm, I'm not kind of again that really but it's, opera and, and, and performance but even computer you, games you, are you, know, you still need thing. to look yeah uh, computer games well, I think you probably do have to look there you have to massive yeah, but you, really have, you have to be able to master sort of sort of it's kinetic. Oh, you have to physically move. Like you have, it's to do with um, coordination yeah. and all sorts of things. Which I ain't got. Which well, at yeah. All. Which which you so ain't. So I don't go there. You ain't got so good. Any which way. Fair enough. But I mean, I, I just think <laughs> that that's the thing, isn't it? That everybody finds the, the art forms that work for them. But, but, I, but if I were to do a computer game, it would be half the speed of of, of the slowest people. Yeah. <laughs> but and I, then I could get something out of it. But of course, the game wouldn't award me with zilch <laughs> no true enough but, <laughs> I, but I, I think the thing that you were really speaking to was was kind of the overload of different things at yeah. the same time that we have now and I, I think that's a very fair fair point fair problem a fair thing that we need to to grapple with I love the internet I love being on grid I love being online but I don't want it to ruin the way that I can I don't want it to ruin my attention span and I think it kind of partially is. I, I do find my attention span becomes less and less as years go on. This is the time when I sort of ask people if they have anything to plug. And since we're talking about art, I would imagine that you might want to plug your, your art, really. Well, I'm, I'm sort of in between plugging, really, because um, I'm waiting to find out if I've got any response to my submissions to the Bristol Art Show. But That's right. Now, where are we today? Second. Well, it won't the be. The closing a... date was the thirtieth of June, so any day now I well, might get a sort of muttering. Well, it won't be. I mean, this won't go out till quite a long time in the future. So, I mean, I can I can put some links if you did if you were. Then I'll put links to that. Could, people can find your, your some of your art online, can't they? On your yeah, on, on your my blog. blog spot. It's uh, I think it's is it it's June is it Jhoy or Junehoy at dot blogspot dot com. But no I think, memory. I think it's Junehoy. There'll be a link 
on online. So uh, well, it'll be a while in the future, so you'll have plenty of time, and I'll let you know in advance. Mum's available for commission, and you can approach her about buying her work or looking at any of the work or anything like that. Um, send me an email on the show and I'll pass that on to her or have a look at her blog spot and I, I would imagine that she's got some details, contact details on there. It's been a pleasure getting better acquainted with you again, Mum. Do you want to say goodbye to the audience? Oh yeah, goodbye. <laughs> Bye-bye. You can find Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter at GBA Podcast. You can find it on Facebook. It's Getting Better Acquainted. Have a search on Facebook and like it. Or you can find it on the website www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk You can also subscribe by searching on iTunes and subscribing to us that way. There are lots of ways to get better acquainted. <laughs>